This message is brought to you by Cedar Springs Church. For more information, please visit cedarspringschurchnm.org. All right, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 24 this morning if you want to start heading there in your Bibles. And right out front, it's important to know that this psalm is all about access. It's all about access based on something we as Americans don't like, something that bothers us. It's based on access that is based on worth and status and value. Like every once in a while, I'll watch you know one of those British shows with Shannon where someone falls in love with someone they're not supposed to, someone that's I guess, better than them. The British know what that means. Because that's what bugs us, right? It's the station thing. That that being born into a certain social, economic class determines your value. The Brits are used to that. But it's one of those things that we don't get. As Americans, we have this sense of fairness that's kind of baked into us. You know, like uh, Prince Harry, that guy that married the American and moved here, and he's been whining about how rough his life is. He doesn't realize that everyone in our culture is like, oh, you poor thing. What is it, the multi-million dollar stipend, the palaces, the servants? Yeah, dude, we don't care. Get a job. That's, that's, that's what our attitude is like. That's what's baked into us. But that got me thinking. I wondered if you'd ever been denied access to something that you wanted because you weren't good enough. Maybe you tried to sneak into an exclusive club or something like that, and the bouncer took one look at you and was like, no, you're clearly a huge dork. Go away. Or maybe... you. We've all had that experience where you go to the DMV and you're treated like an inferior human being because you didn't bring a picture of you in a draft suit holding a latte or some other dumb document nobody told you you needed. Maybe it's something more important. Maybe you were denied access to a job or a university or something like that because you just didn't have the right stuff. You weren't good enough. You weren't smart enough. Well, again, this psalm is all about access. Look at verse 3 real quick, where David asks, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in His holy place? This morning as we celebrate Palm Sunday, that's the question I want us to be able to answer. Who can ascend His holy hill? Who can ascend God's holy hill and stand in his presence. But before we get there, I want to begin where David does, where look in verse 1 and 2, where he describes whose hill we're talking about, whose hill we're asking who can ascend. He says in verse 1, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Now now look closely again, look at verse 1, at what actually belongs to the Lord. David says the earth and the fullness thereof. What does that mean? 
Well, David tells us in the second line of verse 1, he says, the earth itself in, in the first line, and listen, those who dwell in it in the second line. That's the fullness of it. Meaning God owns not only the mountains and the sand and the water, but you and I as well. Owned. How's that possible? How can God own the earth and everything in it? Well, it's pretty simple, really, because He created it. David says in verse 2, For, because He has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. He decided that the mountains and the sand and the water and the people should exist. That's whose hill David is talking about. He's talking about the hill of the one who decided you should exist. Think about what the Bible says about creation for a minute. In day one, the Bible tells us God said, let there be light. There was light. Day two, he said, let the, the sky and the waters above and below be separated. He basically created the sky and the atmosphere. Day three, he said, let there be dry land. Day four, let there be trees and plants, and then including the, mon, the sun and the moon later. Day five, he said, let there be the animals in the sea and the fish, all of that stuff. And then day six, he said, let there be animals on the land and mankind. You know, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I believe in the Big Bang. And I think every Christian should believe in the Big Bang. Because that's what the Bible says. The Bible said, God said, let there be light. And bang, there was light. God said, let there be plants and trees. And bang, everything from grass to, to great redwood trees stood at attention. God said, let the sun exist. And bang, just by the sound of his word, he kick-started the nuclear reactions of every single star in the universe. God said, let mankind exist, and bang, simply by the power of his words, your heart started beating. Your lungs began to develop, and your bones began to grow. That's whose hill David is talking about. But it's more than that. Look closely at this sequence of creation again. Have you ever noticed the Bible tells us that light existed before the sun? How's that? Or have you ever noticed that the Bible tells us that God created plants and trees before He created the sun? How does that work? Well, it worked because God not only created life, but He sustains it as well. God doesn't need the sun for light to exist. He can just tell light to exist, and it exists on His own. He doesn't need the sun for photosynthesis to occur. Because those things, even the biological and chemical and physical laws that sustain them, He is the one that ordains it. He is the one that created it. And He is the one that sustains them by His Word. You can put that down, Scott. Which means that not only do all the materials and all the people of the earth belong to Him, but if He is sustaining everything and everyone, then the harvests and the manufacturing and the patents 
and the investments, they all belong to him as well. Because he not only supplied the material and the bodies and the breath and the brains, but he also sustains it all through the ages. The sun continues to burn because he wants it to. The earth continues to orbit around the sun because he wants it to. And you and I continue to draw breath simply because he wants you to. That's whose hill David is talking about. The one who determines whether or not we keep breathing. But there's still more because not only did God make both the earth and mankind, but he made them for each other perfectly. He made the earth to sustain and shelter and nurture mankind, and he made mankind to, to tend and care for and guard the earth. What a loving creator who would, who would make such a perfect place for his creation to dwell in harmony. It's like a, it's like a house that's perfectly designed for a disabled person. Our God has lovingly, graciously, mercifully designed this earth, all of its biomes and systems and movements for the sole purpose of caring for and sustaining His greatest creation, which is you and I. So not only is He all-powerful, but He's also the definition of love. That's whose hill David is talking about. A perfectly loving all-powerful, universe-creating God, His hill. Which brings into focus, then, the gravity of the question David asks. Look at verse 3 again. Who shall ascend the hill of that Lord? And who shall stand in His holy place? If God is that powerful to, to create an, an unfathomably vast universe by just speaking it into existence... And if our God is that perfectly loving, that He would create all of this for us, an entire universe, just so that any time you could look up in the sky and know who He is. If our God is that perfectly loving and that perfectly powerful, then who can ascend His holy hill and who can stand in His presence? Because here's the truth. The truth is we know the world is not like it's supposed to be. The earth that's supposed to nurture mankind and, and shelter him frequently tries to kill us. From tornadoes and earthquakes and tsunamis to lions and tigers and bears. Don't even get me started on the ocean. Oh my, thank you. But the same is just as true in the other direction. Mankind, who's supposed to tend and care for the earth, frequently abuses it from strip mining to nuclear bombs to litter, oil spills. Born out of this insatiable quest for power and wealth, mankind doesn't care for the earth like he's supposed to. The reason this harmony between God's creation is broken is because we have infected God's creation with sin, including ourselves. Refusing to remain in our station demanding to be God instead of created by Him. We've rejected the design and the authority of our Maker and tried to take His seat. 
And therefore, God's perfect creation has been submerged in chaos and death. So now instead of life and peace and health, the norm is violence and and hardship and death. Broken people breaking what their loving Creator made for them and made them for. And therein lies the problem, doesn't it? Because look at who David says can ascend that hill to stand in the presence of God. He says in verse 4, He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he's the one who will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. I was reminded this week as I read this passage of that Greek character, Syphil, excuse me, that's wrong, Sisyphus. <laughs> Sisyphus. You remember him? The guy who was cursed, you know, to push that rock up the hill for eternity, but every time he got by the top, it rolled back down. This passage reminded me of that, and I wondered if you ever felt like him in this life. If you've ever tried to ascend this hill to be with God, to be at peace, to have hope and joy, and every time you get close to the top, you just feel like you roll back down to the bottom. Maybe you've tried to push that rock to the top through other religions. You thought maybe the enlightenment of Buddha or maybe the morals of Islam or the the unity of Hinduism, something like that would help you get there, but... You found them, like so many others, to be just as lost as, lost as you when, when despite everything they say, peace and hope and joy and everything you want keeps tumbling back down to the bottom of the hill. Maybe you've turned to yourself. I'll, I'll do it my way. I know what I need. Yet just like before, if you're honest, you're still standing at the bottom of that hill. In a broken world, with that rock that just won't seem to budge. So when you hear David saying, the ones who can ascend that hill are those who have a clean heart, who don't lie or, or, or worship idols, you're not encouraged because you know that's not who you are. When you stand in front of this holy, perfect God, and that's the measuring line, you know you are not like Him. So the question still stands, who can ascend this holy hill of the Lord? Let's keep going and see if David has an answer. Look at verse 7. He says, Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first looked at this passage, I had to ask, what does that have to do with anything? What does gates lifting their heads so this this king of glory can come in have to do 
with answering the question, who can ascend his holy hill? Well, first let me explain what David is describing. He's describing a victorious king returning to his city by personifying these gates that need to to wake up and, and open for him. Wake up, gates, lift your heads like they're asleep. Your king has returned is what he's saying. But who is this king of glory that David speaks of? Well, he tells us, if you look at verse 8, who is this king of glory? It says, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Verse 10, who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts is the king of glory. But you see how that word Lord in each of those verses is in all caps? That means David is saying this king of glory is none other than Yahweh. The ancient of days, the, the one with the white hair. He's saying Yahweh, the strong and mighty one. Yahweh, mighty in battle. Yahweh, the eternal commander of the, the armies of heaven. He's returning victorious over all of his enemies. So lift up your heads, O gates. Wake up and let this king of glory enter back into his city. In other words, listen, brothers or sisters. What does this king of glory have to do with answering the question of who can ascend the holy hill of God? Well, it's pretty simple. The king of glory is the only one who can. He asks the question and then he says, look, here's the one who can. So after being shut for so long because nobody could enter, nobody could ascend that hill. These gates fell asleep. They're like, I guess nobody's getting in here. So the command goes out for these gates to wake up, rise from your slumber, because the king of glory has proven himself worthy to ascend this hill with his clean hands and his pure heart. And when did this happen? Well, this morning, we're remembering what's called Palm Sunday, when about 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ ascended the hill to Jerusalem for the last time. And as he approached that holy city, he was met by thousands of people flocking around him, cheering and crying out to the one who they thought was their king of glory. But they would soon be disappointed when they found out how mistaken they were. You see, it would only be a few days before they found out that this king was ascending that holy hill, not to sit on a throne, but to die on a cross. Because he was ascending that holy hill, not to do battle with the legions of Rome, but with something far worse. He ascended that hill to, to do battle with the sin and death that has ruined this world and the resulting wrath of God. Brothers and sisters, just like David says, we don't have to wonder how that turned out. This king of glory was strong and mighty in battle. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them on the cross. And we need not wonder what this chorus this, this procession, this refrain demanding these gates to open for the king of glory sounded like, we don't have to worry about that either. 
Just as we looked at earlier this morning in our prayer, John says in Revelation 5 that, the, that as, as Jesus was found worthy to ascend this holy hill, that the floodgates of heaven could no longer contain this resulting tsunami of praise that radiated out from the throne. He says in, in ver- chapter 5, verse 9 of Revelation, he says, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And it build, built, it built this, this sound. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And it still grew. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. However, we still have a problem. That's great and all that that he won that victory, but we still have a problem because this doesn't change the question for us. So let me ask this a little bit more directly. Are you clean enough? Are you pure enough to ascend the hill of the Lord? You personally. I want you to really think about that question. Are you pure enough? If you got to the top of that hill and God asks you, why should I let you in? Are you clean enough? Righteous enough to stand in the holy place of your perfect creator? Because here's the thing, this king of glory, he, he didn't need to do battle against sin and death. They were not a threat to him. They had no power over him. They had no impact on his existence. His victory over sin and death on the cross, it wasn't for himself. No, he won victory over sin and death. He was strong and mighty in battle. And He ascended that holy hill for you and I. And all He asks in order for for His purity, for His righteousness to be credited to you, is that you believe you needed Him to do it. That's it. That's the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is that His yoke is easy and His burden is light. In other words, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus pushed that rock to the top of the hill for you. And all he asks in return is that you believe you needed him to do it. Because if you do, if you do believe that you needed Jesus to to help you, to ascend that hill for you because you are depraved, if you believe that, And the answer to the question, are you pure enough to ascend His holy hill, is yes. Yes, you are. 
You are righteous enough to ascend that hill. Yes, you are pure enough to ascend that hill, not because of anything you've done, but because of what he's done on your behalf. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. If you believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead on your behalf, then don't think for a minute that he's going to somehow be embarrassed to present you to his father. Like, here, God, and here's those losers I told you I was going to bring someday. No. The Bible says that because of what he did, you and I are his treasured possession. His crown. We're now the place where he wants to live. Not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done for us. Which means... I know it doesn't feel like it right now. <clears throat> I know you don't feel righteous enough or pure enough. But here's the thing. Our purity is like clothes that are just too big for us right now. It's not that they don't fit. It's just that they've been made for us to grow into. Like a child wearing his father's clothes, we have been given the white robes of Jesus Christ's righteousness. So they hang long in the arms. We have to cuff them at the feet so they don't drag on the ground. But we're growing. We're growing into that purity that, that has already been accounted to us by, by, by feeding and drinking the pure spiritual milk of His Word. So don't think for one minute... Don't for one minute demean the victory of this king of glory by saying that you're not holy enough to ascend this hill. Because listen, this wasn't the last time this king of glory would ascend into the holy presence of the Father. No, he's going to do it again. But the next time those gates are commanded to lift their heads, he won't be alone. Paul said in, in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 14, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus God will bring him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Listen, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven. He's going to walk back down that hill with a cry of command, uh, with a cry of command, with a voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise, they will ascend to him first. And then we who are alive, who are left, will ascend together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, listen. Here's the command, encourage one another with these words. This is encouraging. With what words? What words are we to encourage each other with? Well, these words. On that day when this Lord of hosts, when this King of glory comes to take us home, You 
Imagine the sound of the armor as millions upon millions of angels approach these gates in perfect formation following the one rider on a white horse. Picture the fierceness of, of multitudes of, of, of immense heavenly beings who were custom made by their creator to combat evil and survive. But as you imagine that, imagine that you begin to see something else. No, someone else. There with this king of glory, but they're not following him like the angels are, no. They're with him. They're around him. They're next to him. And then you realize as the, the king of glory nears these gates, that it's you and I who are standing next to him, who are walking with him, who are ascending this hill again with him. It's you and I who are now approaching these gates with the king of glory. And as you walk next to him, you begin to realize what you didn't fully comprehend before, that he needed none of these angels to win the battle. No, all by himself, he permanently defeated evil on your behalf when he ascended that holy hill and cried out, it is finished. On the cross, by himself, he defeated your evil while myriads of battle-hardened angels watched and waited in formation. Which means, finally, this morning, if you're discouraged because of the state of this world, if you're not, turn your TV on and get with the program. But for whatever reason, because of a relationship in your life, because of the state of our culture, if you are discouraged this morning, put your faith in the one whose yoke is easy and burden is light. Because if you do, if you believe in this King of glory, if you need to be encouraged this morning, then listen, you can and you will ascend that holy hill one day. You're going to hear the, the, the sound of you and I joined by this innumerable multitude of others crying out louder and louder as we, as we draw near these gates. Swing wide, you ancient doors. Let the king come in. His glory never fades, and our hearts delight in him, because he reigns. He reigns. Jesus the Lord, he reigns, he reigns forevermore.